And at this time, we'll turn our attention to the reading and the preaching of God's Word. We'll now listen to the scripture passage read by Carol. Today's scripture reading is taken from Mark 9, verses 30 to 37. They went on from there and passed through Galilee, and he did not want anyone to know, for he was teaching his disciples, saying to them, The Son of Man is going to be delivered into the hands of men, and they will kill him. And when he is killed, after three days he will rise. But they did not understand the saying and were afraid to ask him. And they came to Capernaum, and when he was in the house, he asked them, What were you discussing on the way? But they kept silent, for on the way they had argued with one another about who was the greatest. And he sat down and called the twelve. And he said to them, If anyone would be first, he must be last of all and servant of all. And he took a child and put him in the midst of them. And taking him in his arms, he said to them, Whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me receives not me, but him who sent me. This is the word of the Lord. Well, good morning. Uh, my name is Kiernan, and I'm one of the pastors here at Grace Toronto Church. And as you can see, I'm not downstairs in the sanctuary preaching live. Uh, I'm having to pre-record my message again. I've just been struggling with a bit of a cough, just a cough, but thought just to be safe, I would, I would pre-record the message instead of breaking into a a coughing fit in front of you. So here we are. Well, maybe you would pray with me this morning as we get going. Let's do that. Uh, Dear Father in heaven, we thank you for this moment and we thank you for your word. And we pray, Father, that we would, as we walk through this passage, have an encounter with you and that you would change us we ask this in Jesus' name. Amen. Who is the GOAT? Who is the G-O-A-T? Who is the greatest of all time? It's a question that is asked, and when it's asked, it's often asked of athletes, but sometimes it's asked of, of politicians or artists, it's asked of, of writers, uh, actors, uh, who is the goat? Who is the greatest of all time? Now, sometimes some people uh, take it upon themselves to answer that question. And they answer it by saying, I am. I am the goat. I am the greatest of all time. Cristiano Ronaldo, the, 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 the Portuguese soccer star, once said, I am the greatest player in history. And Kanye West, the rapper, and fashion designer once said that I am, I am unquestionably, undoubtedly, the greatest artist of all time. And, and let's not forget Donald Trump, who in 2015, during the presidential uh, campaign, said, promising that he would bring jobs back to America, I will be the greatest jobs president God ever created. I tell you this. Now, 
we, we hear people talk this way and we, we cringe. I mean, we laugh, but we cringe. We cringe and we laugh. And, and we cringe and we laugh because, I mean, who, who talks this way? Who talks this way? Uh, I mean, not you, right? Maybe you've never talked this way, but I, I, have, you ever, have you ever thought it? Have you ever wanted to be the goat? Have you ever wanted to be the greatest of all time? Let's be honest for a moment, shall we? We all want to be great. We all want to be great. And, and what's so shocking about our story, and we'll see that this this morning, Jesus actually wants you to be great too. But what is greatness? Ah, now that's the question. What is it? How do you measure greatness? What does it look like? What is it? We're going to look at that this morning. But before we do, let's ask another question. Let's ask this question. What is it not? What isn't greatness? So we pick up our story this morning and we find Jesus and his disciples moving southward from Galilee to Jerusalem. And as they're walking along, Jesus turns to his disciples and says, when we get to Jerusalem, I will be delivered into the hands of men and be crucified And three days later, I will rise again. Now, the disciples don't know what he's talking about. uh, Because as far as they're concerned, Jesus is supposed to change everything. He's supposed to bring in a kingdom. The kind of kingdom where where they're they're at the center. Where where they gain social prominence and power and, and, and wealth. He's not supposed to die. And he's certainly not supposed to die on a cross. I mean, that, that's the worst death. That was a, a, a death reserved for the lowest of the low, for, for criminals and for slaves. And so they're confused. They don't get it. Uh, they, they, they're puzzled. But they're too afraid to ask Jesus. And so they just keep walking. And as they're walking, they start to argue. A fight breaks out amongst themselves. We, we don't know who started the fight, but we do know what they're arguing about because we're told. What are they arguing about? Which of us is the greatest? <laughs> Which of us is the greatest in this kingdom? Now, they, they each have a convincing reason why they are the goat, why they're the greatest of all time, and everybody else has a convincing reason why that person is not. And so they start to claw at each other. And by the time they reach Capernaum, which is where they're staying, uh, they're furious with one another. They're, They're spitting mad. And then Jesus asks this question. What, what were you arguing about on the road? What, what were you arguing about on the road? It's, um, it's one of those moments. Let's see if you can relate to this. It's, it's one of those moments when you've, you've had this intense argument with somebody. And, and in the heat of the argument, you just felt so right. But, but the, the longer the argument goes on, and, and, the, and the, the more you hear the words that are coming out of your mouth, you, you stop feeling right and you begin to feel, well, ridiculous. 
the disciples are feeling ridiculous. They're feeling sheepish. And uh, they, they just stand there, staring at their sandals in silence. And this is not exactly greatness. This is not greatness on display. This is the, the opposite of greatness. This is anti-greatness. But um, it, it is the way that we live as a culture. It's the way that we tend to construe greatness. And I, I just I can't think of a better example to illustrate this and drive it home than Yertle the Turtle. Now, uh, if you're not familiar with Dr. Zeus's classic, let me just give you a quick plot summary here. In the faraway country of Salamisan, uh, Yertle, the turtle, uh, he sits on his throne as king of the pond. But Yertle is not, he's not happy with the size of his kingdom. And so he commands uh, the turtles in his pond to climb on top of each other, first nine, then 200, then 5,607. And he climbs to the top, to the top. But poor Mac, who's at the bottom of the stack, is in pain. And he begins to complain. But Yertle the turtle tells him to shush. Well, Mac is just a, a common, ordinary turtle. And he does what common ordinary turtles do, he burps and shakes Yertle's throne. And Yertle collapses into the pond in the mud. <laughs> there, there, is, there is a view of greatness. There's a view of greatness that is it's fueled by pride, just this excessive, this excessive regard for self. The desire to be first. And the thing about pride, the thing about pride, is that it, it, doesn't, it doesn't tend to stay put. It, it, it spills out of us. It spills into the world around us. It spills into our relationships. And, and, and when it does, we get conflict. We get conflict because when we are telling everyone around us that, that we are the best, that we are the goat, when we're effectively living that way, we ask people to make a choice. Either they will agree with us or they will disagree with us. But, you know, who wants to agree with somebody who says they're the goat? Because we all have our own thrones. And so what happens in that moment invariably is that we get conflict. We fight we claw at each other. We present arguments. We present counter-arguments. We, 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 we lob insults at each other. We criticize each other. We belittle one another. And in our quest for greatness, we do not prioritize relationship. We trash it. We trash our relationships. And are, and are we not seeing that right now in our day being lived out in the cultural and political conversation? And, and aren't we seeing that lived out in our everyday conversations and in our everyday relationships? And, and could it be, could it be that we really, in this moment, in this moment, desperately need to take our cue from Jesus 
and ask the question, the very question that Jesus asks in our story. What were you arguing about? What were you arguing about? What were you really arguing about? What, what is it that you want? What, what is it that you want so much, so badly? What are you afraid of losing? Think of a recent conflict that you've had. Think of one this week, which you should, you should be able to do. That should be easy. Uh, what was it? What was it that, that you prioritized? What was it that meant so much to you? What were you afraid of losing? So much so that you were willing to damage and even trash that relationship. What were you fighting about? What were you arguing about? What are the things that matter so much to you that you would sacrifice the most important, the most precious relationships around you? This is not good. (laughs) This is not greatness. And the disciples are not looking great right now. But Jesus is going to move them in the direction of greatness. And he's going to move us there too. Let's ask a second question. What is it? What is greatness? Well, Jesus sits down and he calls the 12 disciples to himself. And when Jesus sits down, the disciples know exactly what he's doing. Because in that day, a rabbi did not teach um, standing up. He read standing up, but he would teach sitting down. And so when Jesus sits down, he assumes the, the, the position, the posture of a, of a rabbi. And he's going to teach them something very important. And this is what he teaches. Listen to this. If anyone wishes to be first, he must become last and servant of all. And to drill this point down, he uses an illustration. He calls a child to himself, and he takes this child in his arms, and he says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me. And whoever receives me, receives not just me, but the one who sent me, my father. What is Jesus saying here? What is he teaching the disciples? He's saying to them, I I am going to send you out into the world. I'm I'm going to call you to carry and to embody the message, my message of love to the world. And, and, and as you do that, I want you to go out as a child, as a child. And that is startling. And it's startling because children in that day were not seen, they weren't viewed the same way that we see kids today. I mean, when we think of our kids, we... We think of them as holding a fairly prominent position in our families and in culture. Uh, we, we post pictures of them on Facebook. We have birthday parties and we invite the neighborhood kids. Um, they're right at the middle in many ways. <clears throat> but in Jesus' day, that was not the case. That was not the case. Children had almost no social standing in the culture. 
None. I mean, if they had any, it was just above that of a slave. And what Jesus is saying to his disciples is this, that as you go out into the world, as you go out in my name, as you go out as my representatives, as you go out caring, as you go out proclaiming, embodying my great message of love for the world, I want you to do so as a child. Because you can't carry this message if you're trying to pass yourself off as a king on your throne. The way that my gospel, the way that my message goes forward in this world is by humble, childlike people who carry my message of redeeming grace and love. And don't we know that to be true on some level, even on a cultural level? I mean, Tom Brokaw has written a book called The Greatest Generation. And The Greatest Generation, he argues, is the GI generation or the, the generation that fought in the Second World War. And this is what he says. He says, they were great because they did not fight for fame or recognition, but because it was the right thing to do. Greatness, according to Tom Brokaw, is serving and being willing to lay down your life for another. And this is exactly how Jesus served. This is how he served. And here really is the dynamic that will empower you to serve and to live a life of greatness. It's, it's, it's a story about a king. And a king, excuse me, who didn't remain on his throne, but came into this world and took upon himself the form of a servant, and, and became a human being, took our humanity upon himself. And he took our humanity upon himself to go to a cross. And by going to a cross, he took the sin of the world upon himself. Why? So that we who are sinful might have a relationship with a pure and holy God. The one who was exalted became humiliated, became the servant of this world to bring us to God that we might have never-ending relationship with him. Our sins, friends, they keep us from relationship with God. And the only way that we can be brought back into relationship with God is through faith in the one who came not to be served, but to serve us and to give his life as a ransom for many. And, and when that truth really gets a hold of you, uh, when that dynamic is diffused into the very core of your being, it will put you on the path to greatness. This is no small thing. There, there is no greater honor. There is no greater honor that anyone could ever experience than to be tasked and privileged with the awesome responsibility of, of carrying and embodying 
the greatest story, the greatest world-saving story there is in Jesus Christ. Um, but Jesus, Jesus here in our story, when he sends us into the world with this message, hear this, he, he's not sending us alone. And here's where it gets even more exciting because he says, whoever receives one such child in my name receives me, and whoever receives me receives not just me, but the one who sent me, my Father. This is huge. This is no small thing. Do you hear what Jesus, do you hear what Jesus is saying? He says, when you go out in my name, when you go out carrying, embodying the gospel of grace and love to the world, I am with you. As you meet with people, in your everyday conversations, everybody that you meet with is an encounter not just with you, but with Christ himself who is with you. To meet you is to meet Christ. When I was a teenager, I went to my friend's house. We, we had gone to Pioneer Camp, a Christian camp, and... Um, I went to his house one evening. I, I say went to it, but it was really more of a layover. I had, um, how do I say, certain plans afterwards. And they were not noble plans. I'll just leave it at that. And I, I don't know how his mom found out. Maybe I phoned and tried to set something up and she overheard. I don't know. All I know is that she knew. Somehow she knew what I was about to get up to. And on the way out the door, she came to me and she said goodbye. And I looked into her eyes. And what I saw in her eyes was this strange mixture of, of grief, but profound love. And, and I didn't have a category for that. How could someone be disappointed but also accept you? How, how could they be so upset and yet so loving? at the same time, and I, I didn't get that. And the look in her eyes, it just, it pierced my heart clean through. And those eyes haunted me. They haunted me for years. And I think they haunted me because on some level I knew it. That when I looked into her eyes, I wasn't just looking into a mom's eyes. I was looking into the eyes of Jesus Christ, who was with her. In every relationship, in every conversation, Christ is with you. And to meet you, Christian, is to meet Christ. There isn't anything bigger than that. What is greatness? That is greatness. So this week, this week, think about two things. Think about two things. Think about the people right in front of you. Who are these people? Who are the people that you're talking to? They're not people to serve you. 
They're not people to get you where you want to go. They are not people to elevate your throne. No, they are people for you to love and serve. They are people who are in need of an encounter with Christ. Who are the people that you're meeting? Think about the people right in front of you. And then think of who's with you. Think of who's with you. Because you see, as you do go out and as you interact with this world, you are bringing Christ to the world. And every encounter with you is an encounter with the risen Christ. You think about that. Because that, my friend, is greatness. And Christ wants you to be great. Pray with me. Dear Father in heaven, we want to thank you for this uh, simple and yet such a profound and such a, a life-altering story and, and a glimpse into the heart of Christ for this world and a, and a, and a glimpse into what you want us to be and how you want us to work how you want to work through us for the sake of this world. Would you, Father, would you please help us to have a vision of Christ, the one who served us in the world? And, Father, would, would, that, would that truth, would that dynamic sink into our hearts and have its way with us and change us, and change us so that as we go out into the city, as we meet with whoever you put in front of us, whether at home or at work, whether the relationships are healthy or strained by conflict. Father, give us a sense that we do no small thing by carrying Christ and by bringing Christ into our relationships. Father, remind us this morning of what it really means to be great. And thank you for the great one who came and served us and loved us. And we ask this in Christ's name. Amen.